The UK has been handling this virus very differently than the US. Right off the bat, during their lockdown, they began testing and tracing, administering over 84,000 tests every day. Newspapers there are complaining that they can't get up to 100,000 tests per day. According to the CDC's webpage, the U.S. is only administering an average of 15,000 tests per day. And you've heard on this very show the hoops that just about everyone has to jump through just to get a test. And the rules in the U.K. seem to be stricter, too, with citizens taking things very seriously. And as a result, a city like London, with over 8 million people, has only seen 18,000 infected. Compare that to the 319,000 infected in New York City, or even the 32,000 infected in a city like Houston, where testing is still scarce. According to the BBC, they are even piloting an app in the UK where people who think they have the symptoms can log in, and the app will help them get a test and notify people that they've been in contact with to help them get tested as well. This allows the country to more easily trace the spread of the virus and helps people quarantine more effectively. From Dirty Spoon Media, it's Home Fried, stories to keep you informed and entertained during the coronavirus lockdown. I'm Jonathan Ammons, and today we are taking a trip to London to talk to Alice Gohan. Alice is actually from Hong Kong, but she immigrated to London a little over a year ago. When she got there and started settling in, she realized how much she missed the food in Hong Kong, the food she grew up with. So she started learning how to make it. I found Alice through her Instagram feed chopsticks and a pint. It's a fairly new account, but if you're a fan of food porn, it instantly grabs your attention. She cooks classic Cantonese food and breaks down the recipes into easy steps, with ingredients most of us have just laying around. And the photographs are just lovely, too. With Alice's connection to Hong Kong and to London, she seemed like the great person to reach out to for a conversation about what we're cooking and what we miss during this pandemic. But first, we caught up on what it's like living in London during this lockdown. So I live in central London, like proper central around Paddington. Um, So lockdown, I don't know if you sort of read the news about what is allowed and what is not. So officially, you are sort of allowed to go out only at most, I would say, twice a day because you're allowed to go out for shopping for essentials. And you're also allowed to go out for a one-hour exercise, no matter, you know, it's jogging, cycling, or having a walk, or, or you know, walking your dog, or whatsoever that is. Um, so I was expecting it to be quite quiet, but to be honest, I would still see the city as quite sort of energetic in a way. Not yeah. that energetic, but there are people around. Um, and... Uh, you would you would easily still see people carrying a coffee cup around, you know, the city, sort of walking around. Especially, um, it's summertime now. It's not entirely summer, but you know, it's London, so whenever the sun is out, right, you got to take advantage of that. <laughs> literally, people take off their tops and kind of just want to lie on the grass. <laughs> right. And I'm very, very close to Hyde Park. Um, so I do uh, go jogging and running there, and, and it's crowded. Um, so if you if you don't look at the news, and then if you trap yourself in a park and not try to think about it, you don't really feel it that much. Yeah. But we do we do respect social distancing a lot, which is great. Like for example, whenever we go shopping, or even you're just walking on the street. You have to keep a two meter distance 
And on the street, there are markers as well on the floor. Oh, wow. So, for example, if you're queuing up at a in front of a supermarket, you you're basically constantly reminded that you have to keep two arms length apart from each other. Um, and if you don't do it, people are gonna basically point their fingers at you as well. So, um, it, it can be a bit awkward. <laughs> yeah, people are taking um, it, it really it, seriously, though. It sounds like it, it's good, though, if you think about it, because people are dying and. And yeah. to be very honest, like myself, I, I live on my own, and my family are back in Hong Kong. And you know the whole coronavirus thing. Um, they are the, they are actually killing elderly. Yeah. So for like for me, like if I got it right, and I probably will get better. But I want to do it for everyone else as well. Like same, let's say my friends, family. I don't want to. I don't want to infect my friends because I don't want to carry it to their families. Right. So it's a lot of like people just want to be more selfless in situations like this and doing it for the NHS as well. Yeah, which are the uh, hospital workers. Um, and and if you go around, you see banners and and stuff like that everywhere. Uh, messages across, um, you know, the chip station, the bus stations, just saying thank you to, to the workers. Really. Yeah. Have they given you guys any indication of how long they think the lockdown's going to last for you guys? I think next Monday we will have an announcement again after Boris has his meeting. Um, but so far, I don't even know anymore, to be honest. Um, officially, yeah. it should last for another one or two weeks, maybe. I'm not sure. I don't even follow anymore because I, I'm still working. I'm working from home. Yeah. And my company basically has said that my, my company is an international company. So in the US and the UK and in Asia as well, everything, everyone is working from home until the end of May. Yeah. So that is the bare minimum. Um, I don't know if that is going to be extended, but even if it is going, like if we are going to lift the, the, the lockdown a little bit, like it will still be kind of like a staging sort of um um, um, like we probably you, we are going we are gonna go back to normal by stages. Yeah, um, that that's the plan. Yeah, or is there a big pushback? Like in 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 America right now, there's these huge protests everywhere of people asking to open their economies back up and open their towns mm. back up. Is that happening mm. over there at all? Is there are you seeing much pushback or are people pretty compliant? Not that I'm aware of, really. Like people are. Well, I mean, people complain anyways. It's in the UK, right? Like, right, all yeah. Brits that's, complain, that's very but... British way. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, that's just what people do every day. But um, I know, like, people are quite okay with that. And obviously, a lot of people are not working. And some people are on furlough. Yeah. But when they're on furlough, the government still paid them, right? Um, right. So they're getting paid, not completely, but at least they're not losing their lives. So um, I I don't see a lot of pushbacks. I definitely don't see protests. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it just sounds like everybody seems to be taking it very, very seriously over there. Yeah, because a lot of people are dying in a very small country. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been in London? Me? Um, I got here February last year. Oh wow! So you're 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 pretty yeah. new to land there before all this started. Yeah, I'm fairly new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you came from Hong Kong, is that correct? 
Correct. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you wind up in in England? What was that? What was that path like? What was that journey uh, like? So I suppose I have always been really adventurous, um, and when um, when it you know sometimes when you reach that age, when you're around probably approaching like thirty or something, and then you start to question, you know, what do I want to do in life? And I've always wanted to live somewhere else. And I think I've told you earlier that I have lived in the U.S. for a little bit, just on exchange when I was in university. Yeah. Um, and then I was thinking like how, but that's different because you know that you're going to go home. Um, but how is that going to, but it's going to be different, right? When you're thinking about you actually moving to another city or another country. Right. And you think about what if you meet, you know, let's say a husband or a boyfriend there and you find a job that you like, you buy a house, you know, stuff like that. And I just wanted to give it a go and see if I would like it really just to give myself more options. Yeah. And I've always liked the UK. Um, I used to have quite a few connections here. Like I've got friends. I, I've dated someone from here. So I've always got like a little bit of emotional connections to London and, um, and quite... It was kind of like a, I, I kept thinking about it until a point I started to hate my job in, in, in Hong Kong. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I thought, okay, so there is push factor now and there are a lot of pooling factors. So why don't I give a go? Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's how it happened, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I guess it has to be kind of scary being away from, you still have family in China, right? Yeah, so all my family uh, in Hong Kong, um, I like, yeah, I kind of just have no one here. Um, when I first moved here, I, I knew a few people, like friends, that, but then we're not like very close. Like they're people that I know. Right. <laughs> and um, some of my friends from Hong Kong, um, they um, they did refer me to their friends as well who live in the UK. So I did lend it with you know help and stuff like that, but it wasn't like. You know, when, when you grow up in Hong Kong, you know everything, you know everyone. Right. You, you see people all the time. It's but your then, hometown, yeah. Exactly. But then when you move to a new city, it's very exciting. Everything is new. But at the same time, when you want, the, when you want something familiar, not really. But luckily, London is very similar to Hong Kong. Even the traffic lights are the same. <laughs> um, so that gives me a little bit of, you know, <laughs> comfort. Yeah. How is your family holding up in, in China during this pandemic? They they are okay. Yeah, they're, they're good. Um, I mean, it all started, you know, in China first. Um, right. But the situation in Hong Kong is completely different from China anyways. Um, um, at the border, um, that is in the Hong Kong-China border, um, they, they do take it seriously. And then I think it was shut as well. Um, so you, you they couldn't, like, um, as in the virus sort of couldn't just go or, or go into Hong Kong and um, the number of cases is really low and because we had SARS as well when I was a kid right um, so we have experience dealing with something like this and at the very very beginning when we found out about the first case um, everyone got anxious which actually is a good thing because they put, you know, they, 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 they go straight into protection. They, they go straight into, you know, distancing, yeah. putting face mask on. 
um, and working from home, and they did it early. So now they are very safe. They're still cautious, but the number of you know new cases is none, and number of deaths is really really low. I think in Hong Kong, so far there has only been maybe two or three. When yeah. we're talking about seven million people city, and it's really really dense there. Yeah. So. And I, I can't say anything about China because I actually don't know, but I can only say stuff about Hong Kong. Right, totally. Yeah, yeah. and and I guess Hong Kong just locked down really quickly when all this started. They just got ahead of the yeah. ahead of the curve. Yeah, huh? Yeah. I wonder if you could talk a bit too about like how you started your this Instagram account and this feed and how I know you you mentioned that you had just missed your your food from home and wanted to recreate it. I wonder if you could go into that a little bit. Oh yeah, for sure. Um. It's literally just that. I mean, after I moved here, um, you know, the thing that you miss the most is food. Yeah. Because in Hong Kong, it's very, very easy. First of all, I used to live with my mom because in Hong Kong, it's so difficult for you to move out. Like, it's so expensive. So everyone sort of just, like, live in with their parents anyways before right. they get married. Um, and so I used to live with my mom, which means, like, she cooks for me a lot. And and that's easy, right? Because when you when you come home and something is waiting for you, right. the good food that you have been eating for like thirty years is waiting for you. So that's like the best bet. Yeah. What did and you cook? So, what were your what were the the staple foods for you guys? So we we we're from Hong Kong, so mostly just Cantonese food. Mm-hmm. And in terms of Cantonese food, we we we're talking about let's say steamed fish, uh, steamed tofu, steamed. Um, vegetables is very healthy quite a lot of meat it can be but they're mostly you know steam or just like pan fry but we don't really do anything deep fried so very homey with not a lot of seasoning which is why we have to go to a wet market as well for all this food because we see them as fresh we don't cook frozen meat they they have to be like fresh meat hanging you know in the market yeah (laughs) when you buy it yeah, I so wonder if you the, could go in a, into a little bit the the wet market and what that is, because I think there are a lot of radical stereotypes about the wet market, especially being slung around in the United States, about it being yeah. some kind of like uncivilized market. But it's just kind of like an outdoor market, right? So, yeah, I mean, you're totally right. And I, I totally understand how people see it as dirty and, and especially what is happening with this uh, coronavirus situation as well it doesn't help does it um but um from like to be very honest when i was a kid i absolutely hated it first of all it's called a wet market i mean in chinese it's not called a wet market it's literally just called a market but when you go in the floor can be wet (laughs) and like the butchers the, the fishmongers and the vegetable stores, they, they are all under the same roof in the same place. So when you go into a wet market, you will see maybe hundreds of stores. Like yeah. they could be indoor, they could be outdoor, mostly indoors. I mean, and it sounds like most very markets. Loud. Yeah, it sounds like most markets all over the world. You know, like I feel like every country it has is. some version of something like that. Yeah. So like when I when I travel to let's say Barcelona, like Spain, Portugal, whatever, they have the same thing. Like even in France, or even even here, like when you like in the UK, when you go to a farmers market, it's exactly the same thing. Just that when you um, in Hong Kong, um, it's indoor 
and that's pretty much it. And I don't, yeah, I don't see why people see that uh, see it as unhygienic, to be honest. And I really, really don't like how supermarkets here pack everything in plastic. Right. So one way to see it is okay, it looks clean. Another way of seeing it is like, why do you even have to do that? And you know, you're <laughs> killing the earth. Right. <laughs> <laughs> totally right. And, yeah. And it's it's yeah. That's that's how I see it. And obviously, um, uh, with meat and stuff like that, like they could be like hang hang around right. <laughs> sort of just at the butchers but um no one is asking you to touch it <laughs> and, right. and you would and you would and you would cook it before you eat it so um yeah no big deal yeah yeah and and the cdc has been very clear in this country that the virus cannot be transmitted by food so <laughs> we can clear yeah. that right up this didn't come from food <laughs> like no, yeah. Well, I mean, we still don't know when you know where the virus is from. Some people are saying it's a lab. Some people are saying it's a wet market. But even with the wet market, it's not like pork or, right. or beef. You know, stuff that we normally eat. Let's go back to the the how you got going on this Instagram page too. You were you were talking about you know missing your mother's cooking and missing your family cooking. What did you start trying to recreate once you landed in England? When did I do that? Or what What did you start trying to make? Like, what were you trying to cook? What were the first, the first things dish, that you missed? Like, what were the first dishes? Yeah. Quite sure it's barbecued pork. Yeah. Yeah, which is like char siu. So that's like my comfort food. And whenever I'm sad or just like when I have a bad day, my mom would make it for me. And she has her own recipe as well because barbecued pork is a very popular dish in Hong Kong. Like when you go out to a restaurant, you can get it from takeaway. You can get it from like a proper restaurant. It can range from, you know, literally like three pounds to 30 pounds, different prices, depending on how they cooked it, the quality of the pork whatsoever, right? Yeah. But then my mom would make it, although she could literally just buy it for a very low price from a takeaway place. She would do it herself. And I remember watching her cook it when I was a when I was a kid, and I absolutely love it. Um, so after I moved here, although I can get it from a takeaway place here in London, I just want to make the dish by myself so that it tastes like the one that my mom makes. Yeah. So that's the first first one I did. Oh, that's awesome. Did you did you call her and get her to tell you how to do it or did you remember how to do it? What what was the process like for that? <laughs> I have no idea how to do it, obviously, <laughs> because when I was in Hong Kong I was spoiled. Was like I wouldn't even know how to do that. Right. So yeah, you're right. I had to call her. I was like sending her messages and then she recorded herself on WhatsApp and then she sent me a voice message. <laughs> and she's like, Here's how you do it and then you have to make sure you get uh pock shoulders. Otherwise, it's not going to be tender, you know, all these little tips. Yeah. Um, and, and and I failed. It was horrible the first time I did it. I was <laughs> like, what is this? What is this mess? This is not okay. Yeah. So I, I tried a few times to get it right. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And I bet that must have made her feel great that you were like calling to get the family recipe, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was like... It, when I showed her I made it and she's like, yeah, of course you miss home. Like, I wonder how she feels as well. Like, I'm sure she misses me a lot. Um, I'm sure. But now, 
But now she's also one of my followers on the Instagram <laughs> page, and she sees what I cooked, and uh, she's like, "Wow, you're making that! Like this is stuff that I wouldn't even know how to make." Because oh, my awesome. mom is quite, yeah, my mom is quite lazy in a way. Uh, like she only, like she she can make. Let's say she has a list of maybe twenty dishes in her head. Right, and they can feed her for a month, and she wouldn't actually try new recipes. Like I feel like that's how most people are, though. You know, most people do that. I feel like we're the weird ones that are obsessed with constantly getting new recipes. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like I know. Like some people just keep repeating, like doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, and... I feel like most people have about five dishes that they do really well, and that's just all they ever make. <laughs> but I guess because I'm also very international, like as in I have international friends. Yeah. Obviously I'm Asian, but I live in London. I used to be in the US. So I do like cuisine from all around the world. Yeah, which is why it's a never-ending journey. Like today, you want Indian food; tomorrow, you want Japanese food, and then you just keep trying because, you, yeah, and then you can mix it up as well, and it's just really fun doing that. And then sometimes when you forget about one ingredient or you you put the wrong thing in, and it turns out to be great, you know, that's the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Do you um, what's so? What's your process for like learning these new recipes? Because you were saying that that it's not all. It's not all coming from your mom, of course, at this point. How are you sourcing the recipes? How are you learning how to do these these foods that you, you miss? Yeah, so it's quite interesting. So I, I literally only just started to cook properly, probably after I moved to London. Um, and I, I am quite, like, I would read recipes from a book. But let's say I'm looking at the recipe books right now. I have stuff from, I think, Jamie Oliver, I've stuff from the restaurants here that I'll read, and and these are probably mostly Western books. I've I've brought uh, recipe books from Hong Kong as well, so they they could be authors from Hong Kong, Taiwan, Japanese. Um, so I read those, and then I looked at online blogs, I looked at online recipes, I talked to people, um, and now um, since I've got these Instagram accounts, which I wasn't expecting um, to be so interesting, because you literally have you know exchange with people as in for example i'm talking to you right now i yeah. know that sometimes you make food and then when i see a good picture and i'm like okay this is interesting it's it's inspirational and then i can talk to you i look at your recipes and sometimes i might not even have to talk to you i looked at your food and i'm like maybe i can do that but in my own way yeah and and you just try to like you keep experimenting and 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 that's how i how and you're I trying, get comfortable. Yeah. And so you're trying really to rec- comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And you're trying to recreate something that you've already had before. So you're, yeah. you know what the target is, unlike most people in England trying to make that food, you know? <laughs> like- yeah. And in a way, like, because I live on my own. So whenever I buy, you know, groceries or ingredients or a pack of meat or something, most of the time I can't finish the whole pack of meat using like in one dish yeah so i i've always got like leftover in the um in the fridge and then the next day i'll be like okay i've got two chicken thighs left now what am i going to do with this and i have to come up with something to use it and and in that process and you just you can create something because you want to use up the ingredients which i absolutely love because you're not wasting food but at the same time you're trying something new yeah I'm curious what you've learned about 
your Hong Kong culture now that you are in England from cooking this food? I mean, you you move across the the world pr- practically, right? You you leave Hong Kong, yeah. you go to England, and then you start cooking food from your home. I'm wondering what insights that's given you into your Hong Kong culture, into your home culture, now that you're so far away from it. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> suppose the first thing is you, you just really miss home. <laughs> yeah. The, the the more you make it, the more you're like, oh, I really wish I was there. And, and you wish to, like, for me, I just really, really want to share this with other people. Yeah. And that's why I started the page as well, because... And and it's in English, right? Like because if I write it in Cantonese, I'm gonna reach audience in in Hong Kong, which is right. great. But I want to share what I have back home to people that who who don't have access to that easily. Like I'm talking to you, you're from the US, obviously. Right. I bet you wouldn't. I bet you wouldn't see, let's say, Hong Kong style French toast every day because it's not in your life. But right. but I want to introduce that to you because I miss home and, and this is good stuff. Yeah. So I just, I want to make sure people can try and, and understand what, you know, what we have. And at the same time, like it's heritage, like it has to be kept by someone. Yeah. And, and like when you talk about Asian food, you have got so many different countries that are so close to each other, but they're so different. Right. So you've got Japanese food, Korean food, like Chinese food, like Vietnamese, like Thai. They're also different. And within China, like even Chinese, like within China, we've got like what? Different regions. Right. More than what, 40, 50 different cuisines within China using different ingredients and different tastes. And I suppose a lot of the time when I see um, like no offense, but when I see, let's say, a foreigners <laughs> right. trying to recreate Chinese dishes, and people are like stir fry, I'm like, <laughs> okay, stir fry is not a dish. Stir fry is a technique. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? And and I just kind of, I just kind of wanted to introduce authentic stuff to people, as yeah. in to, to to sort of make people understand it's not that simple. Right. It is not just okay, stir fry or lemon chicken. No, that that's not the case. And it, it all comes from, you know, I, I'm proud of my culture and I love it. So I want to um make sure people understand what it is and hopefully they appreciate it and, and I'm very, very happy to share whatever I know. Yeah. That's great. Um let's uh I mean, I, I asked you if you could come with a recipe ready. What is something that you think people need to know from your culture, know how to make? What is the uh, what is your like go to recipe for folks to learn? Uh, like for like just anyone or any like I mean, everyone or anyone we're all in on particular. lockdown. It's time to learn how to how to cook something. What should what should I learn to cook this week from you? Oh, for you? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> and for all yeah, of us. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, to be fair, like, you know, I, I would just say, if you look at my Instagram blog, like most of them are just really, really like easy to make and with very simple ingredients as well, which means they are very cheap. Yeah. Um, 
And like authentic stuff, I would recommend the tomato and fried egg um, with rice, just because you can get the ingredients everywhere, and you probably have it at home already. Yeah. And 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 it's a it's a comfort dish, like, and kids would love it because it's sweet. Yeah. And it just goes with jasmine rice, and if you don't like rice, you can have it with noodles as well. Walk us through that process. What it's what's it like to make? How do you make it? Yeah, okay. So all you need is just some tomatoes, some eggs, some ketchup or tomato sauce, whatever you call that, some sugar, some salt. That That's pretty much it. So first step, what you need to do is you just uh, whisk the eggs in a bowl and you probably want to add some salt, maybe some milk as well. So I, I tend to add milk. Not everyone does that, but, but I do it just to make it a little bit more silky, like yeah. So that it is, it is, it just tastes good, <laughs> and um, and I normally cook with butter with with uh, with this one, but you can use olive oil or or whatever oil you you feel like. So you just uh, when when it is hot, you pour in the egg, and once the egg is half cooked, you have to remove it from the heat immediately so that it gets silky. Like don't be too worried about uncooked eggs because the remaining heat is going to cook through it yeah so and and when it is just cooked then you just put the put the eggs aside and then set aside and you have to prepare the tomato legs next um so what i do next is um, the egg is removed from the pan and you add a cup of water just enough to cover the tomatoes after you check it in um, and then you cooked it with a lid or medium heat for around five minutes and you go back and constantly check until the tomatoes become juicy, basically. Um, and that's it. And then one, once the tomato has reached the texture preferred, um, you stir in some ketchup and, and salt, and then you taste it. And if it is the sweetness that, that you like, you can just chuck in the eggs at this time, and you mix it up, and that's it. You can put it on rice, and, and you serve it together. Yeah, It's as simple as that, really cheap, and uh, all kids love it. Nice. No, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Give it a go. Let me know. Definitely. I'll I'll give it a shot. I've got I've got some fresh tomatoes sitting on my countertop right now and some eggs in the, yeah, exactly. in the fridge. So we'll 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 give that one a shot for breakfast in the morning. <laughs> Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. This has been great and thanks for filling us in on how things are and in, in London and I hope. Well, thank you as well. Yeah, yeah I, I mean you... it's my first time doing like, being interviewed like this, so it has to be fun. Alice Gohan lives and cooks in London. I highly recommend following her Instagram page, Chopsticks and a Pint. That's at Chopsticks and a Pint. And just to do a little fact-checking, I actually looked up that statistic she cited of Hong Kong only having four deaths from COVID-19, and she's right. As of this taping, Hong Kong is only reporting 1,041 confirmed cases and just four deaths. That's how many we have in Asheville. Home Friday is a production of Dirty Spoon Media. I'm Jonathan Ammons, and I'm the editor-in-chief. I produce the show, and I write and record our interstitial music. Catherine Campbell is our editor-at-large, manages our website and marketing, and keeps things humming around here. To catch the latest season of the Dirty Spoon Radio Hour, be sure to tune in to 103.7 WPVM, the first Friday of every month at 5 p.m. You can also catch up on back episodes of the show, stream any of our podcasts, check out the artwork from our contributing artists, or support us through our Patreon at our webpage, dirty-spoon.com. 
We'll be back with new episodes of Home Fried every Tuesday and Thursday, with occasional episodes on Saturdays. To subscribe, just search for the Dirty Spoon Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Always bringing you stories from the people who shape what we consume on the Dirty Spoon. <laughs>